Good morning, Chair City Church. How you doing today? I love your warm welcome. Thanks so much. Love your enthusiasm. Glad you joined us. We are in week four, I think, of our current teaching series, Running with the Giants, meaning people who have lived before us, these giants, men and women of the faith. We've had this theme verse introduced to you up on the screen. I'm going to read it to you now. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So listen, one of the things this scripture is telling us is you're not alone. The grand sands of heaven, literally the word cloud there, it, it kind of describes in that language, in the original language, uh, that when people would get a kind of a, a ticket or a pass to go into the Colosseum, if they had a cloud ticket, they'd be up on top in the high seats of the Colosseum, closest to the sky, and there'd be many of them up there. And they're saying, wow, you know, that's you right now. You've got this, all these witnesses stacked high, circled around you, for you to look to and see how they live their life in such a wonderful way and how their faith was manifested in their love of God and trust in God and how they persevered and how God glorified himself through these people. Now, John Maxwell is an author, a writer. He writes his book, Running with the Giants. And the theme of the book is, imagine you or I, we're standing in a stadium, and we're, you know, we're, we're surrounded by the seats, to call them what you want, the stands, and the stands are filled with people who have lived the faith before us. They've come before us, they've ran that race, and one by one, they could come down alongside of us and run a lap around the track, what would that person, each one, what would they share to us today from their life in the past that can make a difference in our life in the presence? What's the one thing they would share? Now, week one, we ran our lap with Isaiah, and Isaiah told us to have an encounter with God. Week two, we talked about Jacob, and he exhorted us to let God have control of our lives. That was good. And last week, we took a, a, a lap around the track with Jonah, and Jonah told us God is a God of second chances. Now, the Bible, from Genesis to pretty much through the New Testament, pretty much covers about 3,000 years, give or take. And in those years, that amount of time, there were some dark, dark seasons in the nation of Israel, just dark seasons in the world. And during those times, God would often raise up a man or a woman to help people navigate those difficult times, to, to inspire them, to give them direction. God would speak through them to his people. Now, the book of Joshua, Joshua is one person who is a great leader of God, and God, if you remember Moses, you know, who led the Jewish people out of Egypt slavery into the promised land. Actually, he led them up to it, and then God used Joshua to lead them into that promised land. And Joshua was a good man, and he, and he led them, you know, coming out of a dark season. Well, let's go to Joshua chapter 24, verse 16. And it says this. Now, things are going well. The Jews have come into the promised land. Joshua's their leader. He's got some other great leaders. They love God. Things are doing well. And Joshua 24, 16 says, The people replied, We would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. And then... The Joshua and the other leaders, they, they pass on. They begin to die off. And we're going to pick it up now a little bit more. Just several years later, Judges chapter 2, verse 10 through 11. 
says, after that generation died, Joshua's generation, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he, God, had done for Israel. Meaning, they weren't following God. Oh, they believed in him, but they weren't really trusting him. They were entertaining other idols. They were leaning on other things for, to be sustained in life. And that led them to a dark time because they became an easy target for their enemy. They were easy prey. And during that season, God raised up what the Bible knows as judges. There's a book in the Old Testament called the Book of Judges. And you, you wouldn't, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not a judge in the way you would think of, like you would think of Judge Judy or Judge Wapner. Remember Judge Wapner? Yeah, yeah, I know we're going back when he was like the first popular judge, right? Christy and I were talking to our kids about... Um, the movie Rain Man. Remember Judge White in Rain Man? It was, it was cool because we had to navigate that. It was a, it was a great, well, in many ways it was a great movie. I mean, it had a great story. Uh, it had a great truth. It really shined, shed some light on, you know, even then early on on autism. I think it was one of the, maybe the first movie to really depict autism in, in ways that never, nobody had known of. But there was some inappropriate stuff in the movie. So you're trying to tell your kids how great the movie is and remembering how inappropriate it could be, you know. And my kids are going to be like, you know, once they all turn the right age, they're going to like for six weeks, all they're going to watch is all these movies they know are great but inappropriate, right, when they get out of our home. But yeah, yeah, we're trying to figure out how could we let them watch Rain Man somehow. But, you know, so one of the judges, so I really just totally went off track there, but I'll come back. One of the judges that God raised up was a woman named Deborah. Followed the Bible, Samson. Remember Samson, Delilah? Samson was a judge. Uh, was in the book of Judges anyway. One of those judges was a woman named Deborah. So let's read Judges chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. So you see, Deborah is part of that great cloud of witnesses, you know? And if we were to kind of take a liberty and extend our imagination that Deborah would come out of that crowd and walk alongside of us, what would she say to us What's the life principle she would share with us that would make such a huge impact on our lives? And what we're saying here today is Deborah would say to us, encouragement makes all the difference. Yeah. See, at one point, in the midst of her time, God's calling her, Deborah connects to a man named Barak. He's, he's a commander in the uh, nation of Israel, in their army. And she tells him, the time has come to fight the enemy, meaning we've been beaten down for so long. We don't have much. We don't think well of ourselves. We're, uh, the time has come now to stand up and to fight. And, and Barak, you know, he's just not there because he's thinking, okay, we're outnumbered. We're out. We're overpowered. Uh, he's fearful of the enemy. They've kind of, as a nation, they've sold, them, they've sold themselves out. And he tells Deborah in Judges chapter 4, verse 8, says, Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. What a guy. I won't go, but if you go, I'll go. If you have so much confidence in God, then you come along, you know? And Deborah says, okay. Judges chapter 4, verse 14, we see Deborah telling Barak. Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. That's their enemy. For the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. So Deborah encourages Barak, and together they attained victory. So listen, negativity, 
is easy to find, isn't it? You don't have to search far to hear or see something negative. You don't have to listen up loud to hear or see or to hear something negative. It's, we're kind of steeped in it. It's in our culture very much so. Whether you're you know, seeing or hearing something that you know, is kind of implying that you don't have enough of something or you need to have this, where you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not thin enough, I don't have enough money to retire, uh, my kids aren't smart enough, and this college is beyond them if we only had more money. It goes on and on and on. There's just negativity. Not to mention just t- the people sometimes that you come into contact. How many know somebody who's negative? Just raise your hand, right? There you go, okay, right? You know, it's the, the people who just really look straightforward, you did well, you know? How many know somebody that just seemingly whenever you, you, you kind of connect to them, you start a conversation, they generally will bring it in a negative slant, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> some people really quick, you know? Then there was some people had arms around their spouse or something like that, and they, now, now the arm is off their spouse. <laughs> but, you know, Tony Robbins is a... <laughs> Tony Robbins is a motivational speaker, uh, an author, too, and uh, he's got some good stuff. He, he, he talks about this time when he has a seminar, and it's kind of a, uh, you know, motivational, uh, helping people to think positive seminar. It's probably a better name for it than that, and that he termed it, but that's the gist of it. And afterwards, a woman comes up to him, and he's drinking a glass of water, and she says, hi, I enjoyed it. He said, oh, you know, Tony, I'm Tony. You know, I'm glad you enjoyed it, so how you doing? He said, and I said, how are you doing? And she just starts on this spiral of, of just talking negative. He goes, and you know, I kind of just, I just impulsively just toss water on her, you know? Like, <laughs> he goes, I just toss water on her. And she, she jumped back, and I jumped back, and I said, oh, I, I'm, oh, I'm sorry about that. I, I don't know how it happened. Was, sorry. So we started talking again, and, and, and I said, okay, you okay? He said, yeah, so, so you know, how are you doing? He goes, and she did it again. She starts talking negative. He goes, you know, I tossed water on him again. <laughs> and again, she jumped back. And now she's startled. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I really, I apologize. I, maybe it's like, a, it's a muscle I, in my arm. I, I, I don't know what's happening here. So he goes, so I stepped back and I said, um, okay, so, so anyway, anyway, where, where were we? H- how you doing? He goes, and she just looked at me. She goes, I'm doing well today. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing fine, right? Because <laughs> and that doesn't mean that there aren't real things that are happening and challenges, uh, but but that means there are other things going on as well, not just those challenges, right? And sometimes you can get caught up in that cycle of just thinking about negativity and focusing on what's not well, and that's always our story, huh? But yet we today have an opportunity, as we sit here this morning, to make a decision to be people who encourage. You know, people who encourage one another, people who speak encouragement into other people's lives, to believe that this is part of our faith, huh? To be the one who will encourage another. That here at Cheer City Church, we can be a culture, and I believe we are a culture, and we will continue the culture of being people of encouragement, yes? Yeah. And, you know, when I was, when I was looking at this, I said, oh, maybe I should do this. I said, you know, I, w- I want to do it now. I want to do this message now. Because, I don't know, stepping on something broken here, but I don't know. It's probably me. It's always me, by the way, just so you know. It's, it's always something I'm doing or not done. Uh, all right. Nobody come up here and touch me, please. I'm good. For those who have recently come into the church, I'm just not into that. All right. We'll just have to get through it. 
Anyway, thanks, my sound people. You take care of me. All right, so here, where, where was I? Okay, here's why I gave, I'm bringing this message today. Um, we have Mother's Day coming up. We have Father's Day coming up. You're going to have, uh, for the most part, times of getting together with family, kids. Even if you're single, you're going to see family or friends more. It's just Mother's Day, Father's Day, the summer. And you have this season now that come September, you have an opportunity to land around Labor Day and say, man, these last four months, I encouraged people I loved. I did. I, I encouraged them. And I feel so much better as a person because I, I encouraged them. And I feel so much closer to God because I know it was from my faith in God and my trust in him each and every time that I encourage others. That's a good place to be in September, right? And that begins right now. You've got an incredible, and that's, so I want you, I want, so it's not a, it's not a simplistic message. Sim, simplistic is it's so simple, it's ridiculous, he can't apply it. No, no, it's a simple one, and we're going to keep pounding away about encouraging and encouraging and encouraging, because I want you to leave here. I'm sorry, before you even leave here today, I am believing that you can begin to encourage people, certainly with the technology or even people around you. So listen to this. A little encouragement makes a big difference. It does. I remember when we had our first child, uh, Justin, and we were just so into every move he made, Christy and I, right? You know, camera, video, cheering him on. And uh, I mean, if he, if, I remember when he sat up for the first time, we were like, oh, we're screaming. And yeah, he said he probably just made like adjustment in his diaper and we're like flipping out. <laughs> he sat up, oh my God. And then, you know, it came time for him to walk, and, and, and he was pretty good at first. And, you know, we'd, we'd stand him up, like, you know, try and prop him up against something. And, you know, we're, you know, like, oh, wow, we, we think this is the, he's going to walk. And, and when we get the camera, and when we do this, and we prop him up, and we both pull back, and then, bam, right on the floor. Nobody, like, ah, you're supposed to catch him. Why didn't you guys have the camera? Why are you catching him? Blaming each other, and there he is laying flat on the floor face first, right? Like, somebody pick me up, please. But, you know, when he would get there and stand there, like, you know, those little legs, chubby legs, and, and he'd be looking at us, and we'd be like, you can do it, Justin. Come on, Justin. You can do it. Just go ahead, Justin. Take that stuff. And we, we literally compelled him. I mean, here he's, he's, can I do this? And he'd take that step. We'd be like, yeah, Justin, awesome. I'd say, wow, oh, look at you. Look, we're feeling fit. You, you, you'd think like he just hit a home run in the seventh game of the World Series in the ninth inning, right? You know, pshoo. and all he did was take a step. But it was awesome. We just were pouring encouragement into that little boy to take that step. And he did what he had never done before, right? Listen, here's a simple lesson from the life of Deborah. Be one who encourages others. That's what she said to you as she was walking around the track with you. Be someone who encourages other people. Let that be one of the things you are known so well for in your time here on earth that God has used you to bring encouragement with your word, with your actions, visiting people, caring people, encouraging people, just speaking it and doing things that just brings encouragement into people's lives, starting in your marriages, starting with your children, starting in your home. You can do this. I just want to let you know also that uh, I, I am not a, uh, how would you say, um, I'm not saying we are to discard and ignore those times where criticism or being critical is called for. I'm saying you don't want to solely look at that and only look at that, even when that happens. I know even, even in the most difficult times, you don't want to omit 
the good things people have done or the good things you might notice or that God would use you to still see. Because they are a child of God, aren't they? And sometimes we're prone to just look at what they've done wrong or our spouse or our friend just looking at the wrong and we miss everything else. And you don't want to do that. Now keep in mind, again, I'm an authoritarian in my home, just so you know that. Uh, that's, that might sound harsh, but I mean, I do. I call my children to honor me and, and to hold me in a high place. It's funny, they'll talk to other kids, and this is my home. You know, they'll talk to other kids. They're like, Dad, you know, we, we, we got, they got paid to do this. I'm like, yeah, my home, you, you, you do your chores, you work around hours because you love your father, you want to honor your father and your mother, and, and your great reward is that you're obeying God, <laughs> and he'll count it to your credit, right? And, and, and that's how we go here, you know? I'm not going to pay you to honor me. <laughs> Uh, and it's okay, you know, and really what it comes down to is I, I don't want to manipulate or just, just control their behavior. I'm not trying to, what's a better word than manipulate or control? I'm not trying to negotiate their behavior. Uh, I want their heart, right? I want their hearts turned to God, and I want their hearts turned to me and Christy. But I am a disciplinarian in my home. And what I've learned over the years is, and Christy was so much better at this than I was, is that... Aside from just telling them what they're doing wrong, remember to encapsulate that in the good they have done. Uh, really early on, I, I was not very good at this at all. Uh, it, but my oldest seemingly is turning out pretty good, so God is merciful. Uh, but really, you know, I, I, and it took me a while. I, I, I just, and maybe that's just what I came from. It's what I knew. And, but again, it was, it was a kind of a, if, it, me as a person, as a child of God, as a minister, you know, it was something that just, just I had not yielded to God. That I just, you know, for whatever reason, I, I, I would see something that had to be fixed, and I would be critical of it, and I, I would just pound away at that, and I would just really omit encouraging people in those circumstances. So we want to be one who encourages you. I, I got to tell you, I, now, and I just want to let you know this. Whoever you are, if you live out this way, you can, God could use you to, to help someone else develop it in your relationships. So you might say, well, so-and-so is so, is so not, she's such a, or he's such a, or whatever, a discouraging person. They never encourage me. But, but you could be the one God uses to, to bring that out in them. That's what happened with me and Christy. Christy is an extraordinarily encouraging person. Every day my wife speaks at least a handful of words of encouragement. But I mean, at least one time in a day, my wife will speak encouragement into my life. Usually several times in a day. And not because I deserve it. <laughs> That often it's when I don't deserve it, when I've not been uh, a, a bundle of joy and gladness and, and, and all that, but I, I have failed in different ways, or I have fallen short, or maybe I've not made her feel good about herself, and in there, no time, she will work through and still find a way to speak encouragement that day into my life. And it's so huge to me. There are times she's picked me up off the couch or out of the bed. I can't get up. I'm so beaten down. And, and literally physically lifting me up, she'll speak encouragement into my life. And that might be because of the difficulties that people are bringing on me or some mistakes that I've made myself. You know, sometimes I can take on things that are just above me, if you haven't, if you've noticed that. And I just get overwhelmed. And there's my wife, not saying, oh, it's not your fault. And oh, who would know? It's like, how, do you, how could you not know when you were doing this? It's like, I was saying, hey, Dave, I think this is going to be pretty overwhelming, honey. Oh, it's okay. I can do So what did you say? I told you so. And by the way, you've messed up my day. And by the way, you know, you've been kind of not doing well the last few days. And I've been carrying this. No, she speaks encouragement into my life. She doesn't ignore what's happened. And sometimes she'll even say, I know this has happened. But here, but then she'll go right to some sincere 
pointed specific words to encourage me. And that has brought out the best of me. God has used her in that way. Listen, we want to grow in our faith. We want to create cultures of encouragement in our homes, in relationships, and we want to do it here at Cheer City Church. We want to be a community of Christ followers that encourage one another. Even if people struggle, if they fail, we want to speak encouragement into their life. There are times and moments where we can bring the criticism, if you will, or bring the correction, and they should happen, but it should all be lathered and enveloped in encouragement. Yes? Yes. Listen, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you already doing. Keep encouraging one another. Keep building each other up. You are doing it. That's how we got here. Keep doing it. And right now, this moment, be determined that you will continually do that. You will start doing it if you're not. And you'll be zealous about it as we go through the spring and into the summer. So when you land on Labor Day, you have labored well in encouraging those people around you. Now, we talk about encourage, and, we, and, and that means you know, that you got this courage, which is part of encourage. And, I, and here's what I want you to consider courage means, or within the meaning of courage, you can think this. That's a nice way of saying, I've made this up, by the way. Listen, courage is a willingness to act out of conviction rather than feeling. It's courage is to deny my own flesh to do what is right despite the cost, right? From convictions, not feelings, from unselfishness versus selfishness. This is where, where courage comes from. See, we as people act a lot on our feelings, huh? Do you? So like you're in traffic and somebody cuts you off and, and you flip them the bird, right? That's probably coming from your feelings. It usually does when I've done it before. It's coming from your feelings. You know, I've gotten better there too, okay? I, I don't think it's coming from your convictions, your godly convictions, right? <laughs> if you came from your convictions, you probably wouldn't flip them off. But it's your feelings that are governing that moment. Huh? And, and in that moment, you did so selfishly because it was pleasurable. I, when I would flip people off. It was a moment of pleasure for me. Again, I don't know you. If I did flip you off, I apologize now. But we, we do that because it, it, it is pleasurable. It's wrong. It's sinful. But it's pleasurable. But what if we were, and at times costly, right? You never know. I know this, I jaywalked on less. I mean, I've come a long way. All I have to worry about is jaywalking, but it's funny because Christy and I were somewhere down in Worcester, and Christy always wants to wait for the light to change to cross the street. And I'm like, you don't have to do that. You can just cross the street at any time. You don't have to wait for the light to change, honey. You know? She's like, Dave, the lights are there for a reason. And they give you the countdown. I'm like, yeah, but Christy, you just don't, we can just cross. So I take her hand. I'm like, come on, let's just, can we just cross, you know? So we're crossing over there. And then all of a sudden you see this, I don't know where he came from, this cop is standing like right in the middle of the road with a whistle and he looks at me with these sunglasses on and he's like, you see the cop? So I stop him. I'm like, sorry officer. He's like, come on, just let's go, come on, get across the street. And I said a nice word to him and he ignored me, right? What I said, I said, I said you know, I said something nice and he ignored me. I don't know where I was. Where was I? Help me out here. About feelings and convictions and, and, and getting pleasure from doing something that's not right versus, you know, short-term, yes, long-term, no. When we govern ourselves, when we're courageous, we're moving from our convictions. We're being unselfish, and we now are sowing wonderful spiritual seeds for long-term 
wonderful, not temporal, but eternal satisfaction. Yes? And that's where you want to be. It just takes courage to do that. So listen, you might think that, you know, you might feel down. You might feel like you can't do it. You, you might feel like, I, how can I navigate this? And it's my prayer that someone around you is going to speak encouragement into your life. You might think, but I've not done well in this area. I hope that somebody speaks encouragement into your life. I hope you realize right now God, Holy Spirit, is speaking that encouragement into your life, that you can live this better way. Look, encourage the people around you, especially when they seem beaten down. Encouragement is giving courage. That's what you're doing. I just told you courage. So we just talked about what courage is. When you encourage someone, you're giving them courage. You're enabling them to be courageous. That's what Deborah is doing. My son Justin is on a track team. Uh, they are now just entered into the spring season. He was able to run in the fall, which was wonderful because last year, due to concussion, he had concussed symptoms, meaning as a result of the concussion, he was not able to run at all last year. That was very difficult for him and for us as a family. So he runs in the uh, fall, but now he's getting ready for the spring, and this is just like... His favorite race of the whole year sits in the spring. I think it's a four-by-one uh, hurdle, okay? He just loves that race, and that's the race that he, you know, he feels that he's got a shot, a very good chance of his team getting a gold medal. Um, and so uh, right before the season starts, boom, just the last week, he, he pulls his hamstring. Yeah, I know, that's what we said, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, back and forth to the doctors this week. Uh, and, yeah, he's got a pulled hamstring. So, and actually started last week. Last week, he, it was confirmed by physicians this week. But I think last week, even a little bit before that, you know, he was like ginger. He wasn't practicing as much. But, you know, he'd go to, he's not missed one practice. He goes to every practice. And when he's there, he literally speaks affirmation to his teammates. Um, he helps out when he can help out with the coach. He's an encouraging presence, continually. And then the meet came yesterday, the meet, the one where they would have the four-by-one relay. And he went there with his team, and he knew, I will not be able to run. Matter of fact, the doctors told him that he will likely miss the entire season now because of his injury, uh, which is a bit daunting in the, in the uh, scope of everything. And, you know, Christian and I, we were worried. I looked at him this morning. He seemed like he was, you know, just a little, not down, not this morning, but yesterday, I just saw this blips of, you know, him just seemingly a little downcast. It just might have been my uh, reading into it because of what I know is happening in his life. But Christian and I called him into our bedroom, and uh, we, uh, we affirmed him. I, we spoke encouraging words to him about how he's been navigating the matter recently. And then we read to him Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through uh, 8, where it talks about having joy. You know, just having joy in the midst of all circumstances. You know, be filled with joy. Where it talks about not being anxious. I mean, not having your, your mind, you're, you're pulled apart in different directions and fragmented because of the circumstances and being overwhelmed. It, it talked about, we talked about, about having thanksgiving to God, being thankful that, that as the hours of the day would go on, he would look and find things to be thankful to God about. He would be intentional about that. And that he would just openly cry out to God his need and be sincere and genuine with God. And that he'd be mindful. He'd be mindful of those things that were not good 
of anything that would creep into his mind that seemed to be bitter thought and jealous thought and angry thought. And then that he would fix his mind on what is trustworthy and admirable and pure and lovely, as it says in 4.8. That this would help guard his mind. And we asked him to please be intentional as he went through his day and we prayed with him. Because now he'd go and watch another young man take his spot to run the race that he is so much wanted to run this. You only have so many years. He has one more year left to ever. He'll only run this race one more time next year. They actually, and you know what? He went there, and from what was made known to me, he encouraged that young man. He came alongside of him. He gave him tips. And you know, you're sitting there saying, this guy might, you know, the enemy comes in and says, well, this, this guy might take my spot. I might not actually never run this race again if he does better than I did, right? But uh, he, let's not go there, Justin. And he, and he didn't. He encouraged him. He spoke to the young man. He rooted for him. He cheered for him. And he, he, was, the, he was the young man's best friend for that moment. And that's cool, isn't it? And that's, that's, that's encouragement, encouraging others. That's living from convictions, from your faith in God. That's being unselfish versus selfish. And you know, God is honored in that. The team wound up coming in second place by about a second. And Justin's time is about 2.5 seconds better than what the young man ran. And he said, he said, so, you know, he said, I guess if I would have ran, we would, we would have got the gold medal. I thought we could do it, and we would have did it. It's all, it's like a ton of teams come together, like, like a lot of teams. And this hurdle team that they put together would have won the gold. But it wasn't to be, right? And I'm sure there's a lot of different emotions running through him. But in the end, he's still pressing on to be an encourager. And because of that, his soul is well, isn't it? It is well with his soul. You hear me, that, people? His soul is well. I won't do it now, but we actually went through the whole story of the song, It Is Well With My Soul and What Was Behind It, you know? Uh, and and uh, when you're an encourager, your soul is well, regardless of circumstances. Okay, how can I do that and not tell you the story? Okay, it's 11.53. So you ever, the song, It Is Well With My Soul, you've, you have a man in the 1800s living. Does anybody know the story behind it? Yeah, I know you know what I've told you. It's my mother-in-law. All right. Yeah, but you know it even better because I told you. A man, his wife, and four children living in Chicago. I'll give you the quick version. They're living in Chicago in the 1800s. The son, who I think is the only son, gets an illness and dies, perishes. He's a businessman. The father's a businessman. And I think it takes place during the great Chicago fires. Their, their business burns down. So the son has passed away. Short time later, their business burns down. He says to his wife, why don't you take the daughters and go back to England where they have family while I try and settle our affairs here in America. Several days later, he gets a telegram from his wife. It says, saved alone. Comes to find out that the ship, his wife and children were on, the three daughters, crash and hit another ship and the boat goes down his three daughters die he gets on a ship now to go to england to get to his wife he go he's sitting in his room the captain comes knocks on his door and says you know we're passing over the area in the ocean where your daughters perished he goes out to the front of the ship looks out over the ocean goes back to his room sits down and writes the song it is well with my soul, huh? Circumstances, brutal, pain, phenomenal. 
beyond disappointment, beyond missing a race, uh, all these different emotions, but at the end of the day, my soul is going to be well, right? And what does he do? He writes this song that has encouraged how many people? <laughs> millions and millions of people. So in the midst of all of that, he's in a place of glorifying God, being used of God, and to be an instrument in God's hand and encourage others. Powerful, right? That's conviction. That's not feelings. Feelings is, is he's like, you know, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm overboard, man, right? I'm jumping in. I'm done. Selfishness, I, I, I don't want to live anymore. Well, let me go out and just, just how many bottles of whiskey are on this boat, you know? No. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be an encourager. I'm going to live for my convictions. I'm going to be unselfish. I'm going to be an instrument in God's hand, yes, to encourage one another. All right, so we got to fly because I've been all over the place. I don't even know where I am here. Okay, here. Listen, let's try and do this. Look, okay, encouragement isn't any good. I'm on page eight back there. Encouragement isn't any good until it's verbalized. I, I don't want to miss this. Speak words of encouragement into the lives of people around you. It, how small it is, well, I, I, I hadn't noticed how well you've done here. Or, you know, this has happened, and I want to discuss that, but you know, I have noticed this. Don't have tunnel vision and lose sight of the goodness that's happened in the people's lives that you're talking to, even when they've done something inappropriate, wrong, sinful, whatever. Don't omit the good and only bring the bad to the table. Bring encouragement as well. Sometimes, again, as I'm kind of re reiterating this, sometimes the timing is just bring encouragement, and then hours or days later, knowing you're coming back, bring the c correction, but always make sure there's encouragement. And some of you might think, you know what? Uh, and I, you might say, well, you know what? But if I do that all the time, if I do it every day, it loses its effect. And I'll tell you, that's a lie. It's just, a, it's, it's a total misconception, and it's absolute, it, the, the, the opposite is the truth. The more you do it, the more it's compounded, the more it sticks, the more it becomes part of the culture in your home. I, why do we say the best is yet to come? We pound away at our culture. We instill it here. Why do we say run to the battle? It's our culture. The things that mean the most to us, we say over and over and over and over again. And if you're around me, the closer you get to me, you'll see me repeating them over again. When you are speaking words of encouragement in your home day in and day out, it has a compounding effect. It is effective. But I tell you what, when you're not speaking words of encouragement into the lives of your loved ones, you, my dear friend, are becoming less and less effective in their life. As a spouse, as a grandparent, as a mother, as a father, and as a friend. Perhaps even as a friend who God intended you to bring someone else to Christ. So speak those words of encouragement and be effective. Now, and help them. Look, is life difficult, yes or no? It is. Life is difficult. And, that, and people need to be encouraged. And God knew that life would be difficult. He, this, the fall in the Garden of Eden and, and, and Genesis, Adam and Eve, he, this happened and life became difficult and overwhelming and at times seemingly unbearable. And God because he loves us and he delights in us. He created us in a way that's different from all other of his creations that we could speak encouragement into one another's lives. No one, nothing, fishes can't do that, horses can't do that, birds can't do that, turtles can't do that, my dog can't do that. He can bark my ear <laughs> till, till I'm deaf. But we can do that. Look at the gift 
the powerful gift God has given you to speak encouragement into the lives of people around you to help them battle and press on. Let's go back to Deborah in Judges chapter 5, verses 6 through 7. It says, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, who would name their daughter Jael, huh? My sister, actually. <laughs> I have a niece named Jael, right? She's adorable. The, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned, travelers took to winding paths, villages in Israel would not, the villagers in Israel would not fight Meaning people, life was barren. People were hiding out. Nothing was going on. People did not think they had it in them anymore to fight back. They had just given up. And they held back. This is Deborah writing now. She said, they held back until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose, a mother of Israel. Deborah saying, God called me. He, he raised me up. The people did not believe in themselves to move forward. But I chose to be brave. You see, when you're constantly courageous and you encourage people, a result of that, a byproduct of that, is you are brave. It just kind of happens because you're living from your convictions, not feelings. You're being unselfish versus selfish, and you keep doing it consistently, and in doing so, you're being such an, you're bringing encouraging the way you're behaving. And the things you're saying, and you know what? You just wind up becoming brave. See, you believe you can do it. You believe in the God who's calling you to something greater. You see the difference you're having in people's lives. You're filling yourself with better thoughts and better words and better actions. You just now, you just realize you're capable of so much more, and you become a brave person. And there are two types of bravery. There's big bravery and there's everyday bravery. So big bravery is, hey, I tell my wife, honey, I'll take a bullet for you. I tell my kids, I'll jump in front of a truck for you. And they might believe me. They've never seen me do that. But they, might, they probably believe me. And that's a good bravery. But then there's the everyday bravery, right? Day in and day out, when your marriage is in a tough patch, we want everyday bravery, right? When there's a rough season at work, a hard decision to make, navigating sexuality and relationships, will my faith stand? Will my convictions carry the day, huh? Right? Will I not go to my feelings and my convictions? Will I be unselfish versus selfish? Even though I know selfish is going to give me pleasure long term, the unselfishness is going to give me something eternal that God has for me, and I'll not be derailed or distracted from what God has for me. I will be an encourager to myself. I'll be an encourager to someone who's in a relationship I'm with, Right? Everyday bravery comes from being an encourager, which is, which is attached to being courageous. How do you be brave? Know who you are. God is my creator. Who should I fear? I am the son of, of the living God. I am the daughter, the princess of the one true king, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. Jesus is my savior. You are, you are more you are more spiritual, you are more, you are, how do I say this? You are much more a spiritual being on a physical journey than you are a physical being on a spiritual journey. You're a spiritual being, live from your spirit. To be brave, you need to know that you are not alone. See, Barak knew he wasn't alone. Deborah was with him, she encouraged him. Look, Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says the Holy Spirit Actually, it says this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. 
The Holy Spirit's helping us when we are weak. If you would yield to God, incline to God, submit yourself to God, the help is there. You're not alone. You don't got to navigate this. As you begin to even think about encouraging and being unselfish and holding to the convictions that God has put in you, God, the Holy Spirit, is there to carry you, to enable you, to empower you. It says the Holy Spirit is alongside of us. He hears you. The Holy Spirit is praying for you, it says there in Romans. You cannot do this effectively without trusting in God, without being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that, that just literally magnifies, illuminates the convictions that God has put in you. Deborah had the convictions. She had the courage. God was with her. The Spirit of God was with her. And where did she get her coverage from? From her faith in God. You see... I want to just say this. Deborah was standing firm in her faith. She was living out her convictions, not her feelings. Today, someone needs to be encouraged by you. Someone is waiting for you to encourage them. God desires that you live out your life in a way that he created you for, meaning no, none other of all his creations. You're the first fruits of all his creations, and you and you alone can bring encouragement to that person who needs it. And it might be that person who you'd prefer not to bring that to, who you don't think deserves the encouragement. But God's put it on your heart today to speak, to act, to do words. Before you leave here today, you might want to stop that by texting something out. You might want to begin that that encouragement, just popping it out to somebody. Maybe before you leave here today, you want to actually say those words of encouragement to somebody. Before this day ends, you want to be a source of encouragement in someone's life. And here's the thing. Some of you, you just don't do it. I know. I, I, I know you don't do it. I don't know why you don't do it. That's judgmental. The fact that you don't, I don't know why you don't do it. It's so powerful, and when you don't do it, the results, I think, that's so detrimental to healthy relationships and what God will do in your life. What are you afraid of in these coming hours and days this summer that you're going to speak encouragement into the lives of people around you, beginning in your marriage, beginning in your homes, you're going to be a source of encouragement? Why would you hold back from that? Are you concerned about people's reaction? Are they going to recognize you? How are they going to recognize you? Check this out. Let's close this up. Deborah, it was because of Deborah's influence and her encouragement that led the Israelites to victory. They won the battle. Without her, it doesn't happen. And you check this out. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30, uh, 34, I believe. 32? Okay. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith. Ready? Here's a great heroes of faith that I've talked about in chapter 11. It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, of Barak. Uh, what? Of Barak? you got to be kidding me. Of Samson, Jephat, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. What's Barak doing in there? How come it doesn't say Deborah? So now if we're walking around the Chirac and Deborah's there hanging out with us, you got to say, so Deborah, what's up? You know? What do you think about that? Barak's name's in there and your name's not in there. And you know, taking liberty, I'm imagining she would say, so, that's not why I did it. I wasn't thinking of 
barracks reaction or any other soldier's reaction or any other person's reaction. I spoke encouragement because I knew this is what God would have me do. I knew that this is what God called me to. This is why God raised me up. This is, was between me and my God that I would speak encouragement into their lives. Yes? Doesn't matter if I get recognized. Doesn't matter what people's responses. I am going to speak and act in an encouraging way to those that God has placed in my life. Hold on to that. Now, we come to the end of the track. We're about to say goodbye to Deborah. And she looks at us and she says, hey, one last thing. Remember now, as you go into your home, as you go off to school, as you go to your job, as you hang out in your church, remember this. Encouragement makes all the difference. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, I'm so grateful for your love. So grateful for your life, oh God. Lord, I lift up now those who have not known the greatest encouragement of all to know Jesus, to know Jesus personally and intimately, to trust in Jesus, to know you, God, your forgiveness in their life. And I pray right now that for those who are in here, that today is their day that they sense the Holy Spirit stirring in them, moving them, drawing them to a greater place, that they would yield and submit to that Holy Spirit, to your Holy Spirit, to God, Holy Spirit. They would be filled with encouragement, oh God. They would begin to even be filled with hope as they imagine now bringing encouragement and gladness into people's lives. Yes, they, because of you, and not so much because of anything they've did, but because of what you've done, oh God, that they are just right now filled with encouragement, oh God that, Lord, they would make that step today, O oh God. And, Lord, we thank you for reminding us that we are, we are not alone, that others have come before us on this race of faith, that your Holy Spirit is with us, O oh God. And they have done it the same way we will do it, by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit and by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.